I know where I be. A whale. Why? I love whales. And I hate all that ugly blue light. I'm a black girl. You can't put blue lights on black girls. I don't know what your contracts be looking like, but Beyonce, if you don't put on a kofi or something, child, come on. No, when I get nervous, I tell the truth. What's it like to send your luggage? Hello, hi, and how are you? I am Dr. Khaled Nas, and this is Referential. Referential is my podcast where we can have some serious conversations about frivolous things. If you're looking for a bit more of an explainer, please just scroll up to the first episode in this feed. It's short, and it'll tell you everything you need to know. In the meantime, let's just get into it. This is episode two, Critiquing Beyonce. Put on your boots because we are going to the rodeo and talking about Beyonce. No, we're not actually going to be talking about her new album, but uh, there is a mention of that. We're talking about Beyonce because two black queer people got into a room and when that happens, they usually talk about Beyonce. We also uh, just watched a Renaissance movie and walked away with a lot of thoughts. We are talking about Beyonce, the billionaire. We are talking about Beyonce, the corporation. We are talking about the 20 now year long Beyonce project. And we are also talking about Beyonce, the person and her responsibility to us and our responsibility to her. To have this conversation, I brought on one of my good friends, Antonia, Antonia Jade King. She is currently undertaking a PhD that is looking into the cultural and historical significance of the Fresh Prince of Bel-Air, certified Beehive member. She's also a Leo. She wanted to make sure that you knew that. (laughs) She's also really passionate about the role that popular culture plays in every aspect of our lives. And yeah, it's a good conversation. I uh, hope you enjoy it. Catch you back here in a bit. Goodbye. Bye, bye. So I got a cat, and it is dealing with the Off Alaska, cats with jobs. <laughs> she's an old lady. She's a twelve-year-old cat, you know. So she's been around the block. She's she's lived a life. She has stories. She's lived a life. <laughs> she walks so slowly. Hey, kid, come on up. Is she? Yeah, she's she's just right there. Yeah, she's uh she walks so slowly. She is very much an old lady. And what's funny is that when she comes up to me when I go to sleep, she like likes to start by laying on my chest, oh. and then she'll move away. But like she just th- this angle makes her look like a old British woman whose name is Melda, you know. <laughs> And like, that's fine. I like to think she's a light-skinned woman, you know? Yeah, you keep saying this. You say oh, that she's she... mixed. So here's my here's why. So she's mm-hmm. all white, but we discovered she's that the skin pale. of her tail, the skin of her tail is black. Okay. So you're saying she's mixed? With... I think she's mixed and super light-skinned. So it's, she's your people. <laughs> <laughs> okay, first of all, you're rude for the super light-skinned. I don't know if I'd call myself well, you said it now, so that's fine. Um, <laughs> let's just let's just move past this. House. The, the suit uh, <laughs> wasn't necessary, Khalid. Like, did it, did it need a superlative? I don't think it did. <laughs> but I don't know what food does she eat. What music does she respond to? There needs to be more questions asked. At the moment, yesterday I was playing the new Color Purple soundtrack, and she seemed to be really into that. Did she? I think Are she's you... a bit of a sugar Avery. Like she's got. <laughs> She she's an older light skinned woman then. <laughs> exactly. I, I'm thinking like it's a very second dance with vibe. <laughs> <laughs> like just wants a comfy cardigan and a cup of tea. The respectability is um like rough with her, but she means well. Like she's been out in the marches. But <laughs> but when she was marching, she was wearing those old leather black shoes. Right. <laughs> I get you. She's very, very appearance based, kind of Cosby esque, is what you're saying. Oh my god! Oh my god! Yeah, she is Mrs. Cosby. I forget Felicia Rashad's name. What was her name? Huxtable, Claire Huxtable. Claire. Oh yes, Claire Huxtable. She's yeah. very Claire. 
She's very pretty. She's very pretty. How old is she in cat years if you worked it out? 64 in human years, 12 cat years. Are you having to feed her the special old lady cat food? <laughs> yes. <laughs> and I'm like really frustrated today because I got her this special old lady cat food that is a different brand because I don't want to just give her whiskers. Mm. And um, she's not a big fan of the pate. It's burned. <laughs> I see. She has. She has <laughs> so she's just like looking at it for a bit, and then I had to put some treats in it for her to eat some, and then she's like, "All right." Honestly, <laughs> it's absolutely amazing. Is <laughs> having a cat suits you, Carlin? I'm very happy. I'm washing down my sertraline bottles every single day. <laughs> That's just in the trash now. Um, <laughs> my work-life balance is in hell, but I'm very yeah. happy. So. <laughs> No, they do say like any kind of pet, any kind of constant animal interaction is apparently really good for the mental health. So. It is. It's really great. I would highly recommend get a cat or get a get a pet of any kind. I think. Well, you're moving down to Brighton now, so you have options. Yeah, moving down in late January. How are you feeling? Early February. Are you ready? I um, am ready. Are you ready? Oh my god, I'm so ready not to deal with that <laughs> every day. Kind of like you don't understand. Like there's there's some aspects of London I'm gonna miss and I'm gonna come like back for, but. I swear, if I never see another underground tube again, I'm gonna be so happy. Like, I'm I'm so ready to be by the sea. We're gonna go sea swimming every morning. Oh you're my god, you're going to be like those rough swimmers, aren't you? We are gonna be the rough swimmers. Do you know what? I've already joined our Facebook groups for the rough swimmers. Oh no! Oh no! You're gonna join. No. You I'm not doing that. Yes, you are. I am not. <laughs> Sure, we'll talk about it later. But yeah, we're gonna we're gonna we're gonna get a dog. Not just yet. Okay. I like but a dog. I think you two are a dog couple. That would work. We are. Liv doesn't think she's a dog person. She but... goes out running like six times a day. <laughs> Thank you. I'm like all this activity for what? Like, <laughs> what is the purpose if there's not a dog? Well, maybe the wars will come and we will need her to like <laughs> smuggle some stuff in for us. So <laughs> that is oh, that, that will come in handy. <laughs> <laughs> Don't we have a <laughs> You and I are going to be diplomats in the apocalypse. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We know yeah. this. <laughs> no, because I was having this conversation with her the other day, which I feel like it's an important conversation for any couple, one runs and one doesn't. What happens mm. if we're ever in an emergency? Because mm-hmm. the thing is, she could legitimately get away from danger faster than me. <laughs> but like, what would she do? Like, I like to think she'd like <laughs> Superman carry me away. You're like plotting out Scooby Doo scenarios, just because like... <laughs> I'm like she could run away from shit easier than I can run away from shit. So if this is true, you need an action plan. He's just like, oh, I wouldn't mean to, but I feel like she I think she get... should always have fifty pounds in cash on her for you to get an Uber or a taxi at any time. Just she'll yeah. throw it at you, and you can run. <laughs> That way, that way, you could keep like, you could like get, you could get friends to like attack you and then just like save up that 50 and just go shopping. (laughs) (laughs) We might make her an agrophobe. We'll be fine. (laughs) You know, she's doing the London Marathon. There's always a marathon. I know she was really excited. I thought she already did it, but then she told me she did it. She's so happy and she's so excited and I just can't understand the excitement to voluntarily run 26.2 miles like i don't understand it it doesn't sit well with me she's not running away yeah but we're on the other side of it we're on the other side of it with partners who run that means that when they're doing marathons i just have a really nice brunch that morning and then Mm. i can meet them at the finish line so it works out for me yeah i've been to amsterdam because she was running around amsterdam i was not running around (laughs) amsterdam i was indulging in various uh substances and just just having a good time that's what i was doing in amsterdam she was running i was well it's a black thing if you smell weed and like there's cops around you're just gonna start running you know (laughs) (laughs) it was just like an involuntary reaction I actually mean to do the mouth, and she just didn't want to get caught. 
yeah, she, she is from Croydon. She's been through more than us. Because <laughs> the thing is with Liv is she's soft as shit, but she doesn't like to admit that she's soft as shit. So occasionally no. I'll remind her that she's soft as shit. And then she'll go, I'm from Croydon, babes. And I'm like, <laughs> I know, but you're also a literal golden retriever. Like, <laughs> <laughs> oh bless her but yeah we're gonna be in brighton we're gonna it's be exciting in... oh my gosh are you ready for how much we're gonna be annoying you Khaled? <laughs> are you ready for how i'm gonna like cut you off <laughs> i feel like we'll get down there and you'll just be like permanently busy <laughs> well if, if you notice i'm planning a move to an undisclosed location uh, <laughs> so good luck to you finding me <laughs> But yeah, no, I think I think I think it'll be fine. I think <laughs> it'll be fine. <laughs> I can see in your head they're like, okay, you're like, how much? How how often are they gonna be around? This thing is, you need to get in to swimming in the sea, Khalid, because you are proximity. <laughs> like it's it's there, it's waiting for you. It's saying, come swim in me. I don't need to. I have a lot of products in my hair. <laughs> you know what the hair thing i'm not gonna lie to you it, it and it, those little caps they don't actually make them for black people so what am i gonna do do you know what they do so i will fight no they don't enough they do. enough end this end this line of conversation right now. like there's literally a black woman owned company that make them that will fit long dreads in them like you 100% can get your hair in a swimming cap i'm sorry 100%. um mm. i'd like to not support black business <laughs> <laughs> That is the stance <laughs> I'm taking, I guess. Uh, okay. sure. Well, I mean, Nike also do them for Afro hair as well. So, you know, if you want to keep support of the community, you can also do that. But, uh, um... <laughs> Stop giving me options. <laughs> anyway. We have gathered here today to have a discussion. So I wanted to like talk to you today specifically because I've been having Beyonce in the brain for a while. And when I started thinking about Beyonce, I tend to just like go to you to have a conversation because I feel like I think you have a pointed positionality when it comes to her as like an academic who is currently undertaking work that's specifically looking at black cultural imaginings. Mm -hmm. um, this is really helping my Leo spirit, by the way. Just keep saying. Like, <laughs> no, but I was saying because from your PhD, from what I know of it, is yeah. that you are dealing with what I think of as the black mainstream properties, uh, like Fresh Prince of Bel-Air that broke out yeah. and within the figure of Will Smith specifically. And I think there's a lot of interesting cross parallels when it comes to Beyonce. For some reason, people always compare Beyonce to Jay Z. Yeah, he's a male, he's a male version of Beyonce. When we like, think it's Will Smith in terms of the idea of like the perfection and the family. And I was listening to a podcast that was discussing her career, and they came up with this idea of her as a curator or an archivist almost in her work. I started thinking about that. She curates specifically mm. understandings of blackness american blackness you know that is the main theme of her work so she's mm -hmm. almost being a cultural archivist and that has been something that i've been thinking about while i was watching the renaissance movie that just came I out love that. yeah and like i think there's a lot of complex feelings about it mm -hmm. so i wanted to get your reactions because you watched it as well so what did you think of the renaissance where are you when it comes to the beyonce project at the moment wow okay so like the concert itself i had to see it twice because, you saw it twice yeah because <laughs> the first time was kind of a blur <laughs> and i'm a very emotional person <laughs> uh... <laughs> so I mean, it's one for the spirit and one for the mind <laughs> 100% particularly if I'm gonna be impartial and mm. actually like have an opinion on it as a piece of art mm -hmm. I really like this idea of her as an archivist and I think it's interesting how people often know how many credits she has on her songs or concerts as a negative mm -hmm. as opposed to an amazing positive thing right and so yeah I think this idea of her as an archivist makes a lot of sense and actually based on some of the stuff she says I think she'd really appreciate that and particularly what she was trying to do with renaissance in particular lemonade to some extent maybe less so i think maybe lemonade with the visuals <clears throat> add a little bass in your voice honey more yeah. so than like the actual context of the music yeah and the gift maybe too a little bit the gift oh the gift definitely yeah. like i keep thinking yeah. about do you remember those book collections that had all of the 
the, the stuff that was being referenced in such yeah. tremendous detail in those projects yeah. that to me is outstanding like it's outstanding but it's also like an just an outstanding piece of work just a collection yeah. as like yeah, yeah. as an academic text almost you know what i mean because yeah. like you could view those as a, a very intense deep dive into those one topics and i think it is fair to say that i I have mixed feelings about Beyonce. Like, I'm an enjoyer. I feel like uh, actually on that topic, let me ask you, how did you come to Beyonce? How did you find her? How did she emerge in my life? <laughs> uh, <Yes>. uh, <laughs> so I was always a Beyonce fan from, from Destiny's Child. Do you remember the first song you fell in love with? Bills, 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 I think. <laughs> what I knew at that age about Bills, I have no idea. <laughs> like, it was like Bills, Dangerously in Love. Like I knew nothing, but I was... I was, I was singing. Um, it's a great song. Shout out to Candy Burris. And I grew up in like Devon, and so I didn't really have many images or examples of black womanhood around me. So like that's how I came to her. But interestingly enough, as someone who is such a Beyonce fan now, I would say that was mainly from Lemonade. Like I was a fan, but the way I talk about Beyonce now since Lemonade, I still mm. remember where I was when Lemonade dropped and I was sat on a friend's floor and uh, it dropped at like some ridiculous time. <laughs> I think I listened to it like three times without like blinking or like drinking or going to the loo or anything. Was that the album or the visual? Album. Mm. Oh God, so you had like the visual come at you the other time, like afterwards. Yeah, and it's just interesting that I am such a Beyonce fan now. And yeah, to some extent I always was, but Lemonade did shift something in me. What is it about it that you think connected with you? That's a really good question. And you know, it's one I ask myself because whenever I like really respond to a piece of popular culture, I always try and be like, what's happening here? Like Mm -hmm. popular culture is so important and it's, I could literally write a thesis and I am doing on (laughs) why black popular culture in particular is so important and uh, the complexities it holds. It was this idea, which is a little bit in Renaissance too, is the personal is political. Mm -hmm. I really appreciate when someone is so specific in telling their story and in doing that it resonates with so many other people and I think it was so specific I mean first of all like just as a piece of art is very well done the yeah songs, the visuals are great but also I think it was very raw and I've always found like the idea of romantic black love as being revolutionary and beautiful and complicated and nuanced and I think she just encapsulated so much of that in that body of work mm. do you think so it was like an identification <sighs> yeah yeah mm. And just it's great storytelling. Yeah. Like if I think about how I feel when I watch when I listen to Lemonade or watch Lemonade, it's it's mm-hmm. like I'm listening to a really amazing story that I'm seeing myself in. It's not like Renaissance where I'm listening to great music and I'm dancing. It feels like I am sitting down at story time and I'm just enraptured. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. Like it's that Yeah. There's a difference between enjoying something but also connecting with it, feeling it, feeling the story. Yeah. I I, I think I get that. With Renaissance, it's specifically mm. anger mode, mm. not Renaissance, excuse me, the lemonade. It's the moments of anger, anger that really speak to me, especially mm-hmm. now that I've just been so generally allowing myself to be angry, which has been more of a recent thing for me. Oh, such a good emotion, isn't it? Yeah, usually I resist I resist it. I've like grown mm. up learning to suppress it. And then I've just revisited Lemonade while I was preparing mm. for this discography in general. Really, it's the moments of anger and outrage that I've always realized I've connected mm. with when it comes to her because I think she just expresses that in a way that feels guttural. It's when I, fe- yeah. I feel like she's at her most truth. But I'm thinking of now B-Day, right? Ring the alarm, obviously. Is like the angry song. <laughs> That's the alarm. Uh, <laughs> but no, like the thing about that is that um I remember like that impressing me, but being more impressed mm-hmm. than identifying. The thing that connects me with her is more like I'm impressed by what something that she does rather than like mm-hmm. I connect with her, yeah. at least not very often. That complicates like the identification for me, you know? Mm-hmm. I do find there's something really interesting about the way that people are very willing to resist identifying with her. <laughs> I'm I just reread that recent article that came out. I don't know if you read it by Angelica Jade Bastian in Vulture. Yes, I did read that. Yeah. Did you read it? Oh, yeah. I usually enjoy reading Angelica's critique because I think she has like this very sharp wit. And I love a scathing review. I love a scathing review. Like, oh my gosh, yeah. And one that is, she's very pointed. She's very good at calling people out and identifying the weakest point of something. So, and I do think she was making some really interesting 
interesting and yeah. poignant points about she is very apolitical. Yeah. These messages of revolution, or like yeah. these messages, not about revolution, but like that hint towards it, become declawed. Mm. She is a capitalist. All these things yeah. I think are very justified critiques, but I didn't like the Uncle Johnny bit. I thought that was a really petty low dig it felt very disingenuous because yeah especially about a project that we've had looking at that movie had segments specifically featuring black queer joy that the message of the movie was black queer joy i remember his friends that you know were bold enough to be themselves at a time when you know it was so much criticism and so much pain attached to it but they had the guts and the, the wherewithal to be themselves so i I'm just reminded of that constantly, looking at that audience. Some of them remind me of him. This album is the music that he played for them as kids that they were dancing to. And the fact that it's come full circle and she's made this record that appeals to everybody. It's touching. I cry almost every concert. And when I see that picture at the end of the show of me and him being out, I can feel the spirit. I just felt like it was taking the stance of joy is not radical anymore. Yeah. What What are your reflections on it? Oh my god! I literally read it the second it dropped. Um, <laughs> she broke the world. <laughs> Carry on. Um. Yeah. No. Gen. I. I. I almost completely agree. I think there are some valid points. I think Beyonce is an ultra capitalist. I mean, like this is someone who has been rich and famous from the age of what, 15, 16, who has bought mm-hmm. like the most expensive house in LA. Like it's is. <laughs> also i didn't elect her yes not i enjoy her music mm-hmm. so mm-hmm. but then there, again there are valid points because if she is going to deal with themes of revolution and be political in her music then does she have a responsibility to do that outside i don't know that's a very complicated question what i will say is i completely agree with you on the uncle johnny section because i don't know him i don't know the relationship he had with his diagnosis i don't it's know it's a family he, story as well it's a you family know. story like i don't know the relationship he had with his diagnosis i don't know if he shared that with the world i don't know if he no one could have envisioned what beyonce would come would become like did he want that part of his story documented to so many people like i don't know mm. i feel like as someone who has followed renaissance for a while i i knew whether that's something that her and her family wanted to put on film and i also think that whether it belonged in that film is also a question exactly and like she has discussed the process of him passing away in hospice Mm. care Mm. and his diagnosis she has done that before so Mm. it, it didn't feel like an erasure but the framing of it as a razor. I thought that was a disservice to the points that she yeah. was making. It felt really disingenuous. Yeah, because she was making a lot of really interesting yeah. points and that were picking up on the rising tide of like the justified mm. critique about Beyonce yeah. has been over the past couple of years because thinking about the Dubai concert and the controversy yeah. that came out yeah. against that. Yeah, which is very fair critique. <laughs> like, mm, it is. Yeah. Also one that I had really complicated feelings about as someone mm. who is from the region. Mm. I was like, well, I know there's a lot of queer people in Dubai. <laughs> I know that yeah. for a fact. And I think the critique that should be levied is you're a capitalist that's traveling and doing an exclusive concert where I just, like, to me, that is the thing I want to critique. You know yeah. what I mean? There's something disingenuous about the way in which the Middle East specifically continues or has, like, a very pointed critique towards it from liberal sort of parties in the west it, it, it feels pointed and it feels like it's it's aiming to serve a narrative that uh, is privileging the west but i i think there is space there to say like you are promoting an album about queerness why did you do it in dubai i think we often like go for the reductive take with beyonce because a lot of people just like to mm. like to topple the pedestal and she is yeah. very much placed on a pedestal where the environment doesn't really allow for critique of beyonce no yeah and it's 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 interesting as someone who obviously is a fan but also i think says space to critique art and people and i remember mm. when uh the gift drop um yeah people felt or some some people felt that wasn't handled correctly and that some of the samples she used and some of the things she did um was quite appropriative mm. I, I i i like it as a piece of art i also think there's space for those critiques you know and i feel like yeah. with 
it's interesting to me that she put on her Instagram actually she she put something and it was it was about the film and she was saying that actually she's really pleased with the comments coming through with people being like oh I'm actually not a fan yeah oh, it's mm-hmm. interesting to see all the behind the scenes stuff and everything that went into making this big show mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I think even Beyonce would say there's like space for critiquing her but some of it is so it's just so reductive and is stuff that other people wouldn't be criticized for yeah and then like I think I have a friend of mine my friend Victor was I was talking to him about Beyonce the other day and he was like my favorite thing to do with Beyonce is Bell Hooks's beef with Beyonce <laughs> I mean I, I think part of our intellectual academic critical ex- exercise is how do we free ourselves from those images to claim a different set of imaging and I apologize I was going to buy it and bring it the time magazine that has Beyonce on the cover because one could deconstruct for days that <laughs> first she's looking kind of like a deer in headlights and she's wearing the little panty and bra set you know that some of us wore like when we were 10 or 12 and I'm thinking isn't this interesting that she's being supposedly held up as one of the most important people in our nation in the world and yet, why did they image her? I mean, she's not glam on the cover of Time magazine. Who, what is that cover meant to say about the black female? Uh, uh, and like, I, I, that slipped my mind. But then I was like, oh my God. And so I just started like reading all the comments and trying to find the clips of her calling Beyonce a terrorist. <laughs> I did end up like reading some interesting um, commentary oh. about that, and I I, I want to get your reaction because like Bell Hooks, that's that's mother and mothers. <laughs> oh, no, and I was so sad. How do you feel about Bell Hooks calling Beyonce a terrorist? <laughs> I feel really sad. I feel really sad, and I'm like, can I have no one on a pedestal? Like, can I have literally no one? Like, there's so many tattoos I want to get, but I'm terrified to get them because what, like... They need to be dead for a hundred years before I get a tattoo of a person. You see what I mean? (laughs) And even then, we're not too sure. Even then, like, I have have some tattoos that are references to Maya Angelou and I feel pretty safe with them, but still I'm scared. (laughs) Um, Of all the people that knew her died. (laughs) But no, I, I tried to go over her commentary and, like, really think about... I, I, I tried to like pose myself this idea. Mm. In what ways is she correct? Have you found any? <laughs> well, I think because th- that comment came in response to Beyonce's Time magazine cover from a few years ago Why? where she was in the bikini and yes. there was a wave of Twitter commentary that came out about how mm. if you're calling her the most influential person in the world, why is she just another woman being sexualized on the cover as opposed to yeah. like how you present men, mm. which is a fair and interesting comment. But Bell Hooks's point was this idea that she ultimately is reinforcing these very patriarchal feminine ideals in her presentation of self. I think it's fantasy that we can recoup the violating image and use it. I mean, is it, you know, like I used to get so tired of people quoting Audrey, the master's tools will never dismantle the master's house. But that was exactly what she meant, that you are not going to destroy this imperialist white supremacist capitalist patriarchy by creating your own version of it. Um, even if it serves you to make lots and lots of money. Because uh, I've I really been challenging people to think about, would we be at all interested in Beyonce if she wasn't so rich? Because I don't think you can separate her class power and the wealth from people's fascination with her. That here is a young black woman who is so incredibly wealthy. And wealthy is what so many young people fantasize, dream about, sexualize, eroticize. Um, and one could argue even more than her body. It's what that body stands for, um, the body of desire, fulfilled, that is wealth, fame, celebrity, all the things that so many people in our culture are lusting for, wanting. I mean, if, let's say, if Beyonce was a homeless woman who looked the same way, or a poor, doubted out woman who looked the same way, would people be enchanted by her? Or is it the combination of all of those things that, that are at the heart of imperialist, white supremacist, capitalist patriarchy? And I've been saying, people of color, we are so invested in white supremacy, it, it, it's tragic. Lorraine Hansberry says that it is the only form of extremism that should discredit us in the eyes of our children, that we remain so invested. My concern, though, is that whole idea, again, when we think about containment, that we say, oh, but this person who is doing um, major harm, let's say, because I, I see a part of Beyonce that is, in fact, anti-feminist, um, that is assaulting, that is a terrorist, um, in the sense of, um, especially in terms of the impact on young girls. Um, the, I mean, I actually feel like the major assault on feminism in our society has come from 
visual media. Which I think is an interesting point. I think it's a point that... Really? I think it's a point... Let me finish my point. Let me finish my sentence. <laughs> I'm just genuinely... I'm just like... I okay. think there... I, I just think there's like... I want to shift it a little bit. I wish you made it more of a critique about like the narratives of black excellence around Beyonce. Like when yeah. I shift it like that, I get it. I also... It was during the time when Beyonce started putting the word feminist in her oh, music. Yeah. And Bell Hooks was critiquing the idea of, well, in what ways are you a feminist? Well, you're a capitalist. You are uh, promoting these ideas of black excellence. I'm like, well, those points, yes, let's talk about yeah. those. But then uh, <laughs> something's got obscured when you called her a terror. <laughs> Told her to like put on her clothes. Like. <laughs> you ended up like just doing this whole shaming thing. So you just like played into this other very toxic line <laughs> of critique. Yeah. Of specifically black women and black femme people. Mm. So it was, it was a weird way of enacting the thing that you were critiquing at the same time for me. But at the same time, I don't know how much space I want to take of in that conversation because I think it's great that they are black feminist leaders critiquing the biggest black pop star in the world mm. i do think it had an impact on beyonce's subsequent career in terms of mm. the work that she was engaging in because mm. she did delve a lot deeper into the nuances of black culture i mean after that album mm. that was what was that for no that was, uh, yeah. was like self-titled. self-titled yeah that like we got lemonade, lemonade we got and then we black is king renaissance yeah. which were like explorations to me that is when beyonce the cultural archivist the cultural curator really mm. like formed where now you see her zooming in on these pockets of culture and mm. saying that they are worthy of the mainstream. A very powerful thing to do as someone with such mm. an ability to spotlight people. I think the most revolutionary thing about that film is she bought a bunch of queer femme mm. black people, put them in the center and says, this belongs in the mainstream. See, mm. Madonna sang about them like 40 years ago and then mm. you stop talking about them, but like their their impact continues. Mm. And now look at them. Look at them dancing. Look at them celebrating. Look at the music that they made and hear look me, the voice. And, yeah. yeah, and also like hear me, the voice of the mainstream singing these hooks yeah, that are set yeah, to their yeah. beats, saying Miss Honey, you know? Don't you hear me calling you? Don't you hear me calling you? Don't you hear me calling you, Miss Honey? The bitch knew that I'd be back. She knew that I would not go long, Miss Honey. Miss Honey! Where's the bitch? She's got some nerves. Here I am, I'm feeling scared. Miss Honey! Miss Honey! Like, I think that is tremendous. I do think that also rubs up against the whole apolitical aspect of her, where you're doing these revolutionary things that it, you do see the gap of the things that she's not doing. In a way, you didn't necessarily when she was making albums like Self-Titled and Four, is what you're saying. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, I think it has made that gap now. And even though I've been very firmly in the camp of, okay, but I didn't elect her. I do think these arguments have more credibility when you listen to pieces of art like Lemonade and Freedom in particular. Yeah, I think it's really interesting how you kind of like drew a line between bell hooks's kind of commentary which i remember when that came out that was a moment (laughs) (laughs) she changed the game with that digital drop you know (laughs) carry on oh my gosh bell hooks would hate that song um (laughs) she might not (laughs) she might not (laughs) um yeah, and I, I, th- I, th- I think that's a really interesting line to draw, mm. actually. And I think if you are going to make more political art, then I think you have to be prepared for these questions to come up more. Even if you don't see it as your responsibility to answer them, there are going to be more questions what you are not talking about when you do decide to talk on certain issues. And I think Lemonade that happened less so because she was very much talking about her experiences as a black woman. But um, with Renaissance, she is starting to like include communities that to my and Black is King. Part of. And Black is King, right, exactly. She's starting to uh, shine a light on communities where she isn't necessarily part of them. And I think with then, you do get questions of, okay, well, why this community and not 
this other community and this other major mm. horrific thing that is happening to a group of people. Yeah, and I think... Is it really her responsibility to comment on whatever? In my opinion, no. Mm-hmm. But then in what is opinion, it her responsibility to comment on is like the question. Right, right exa- exactly. And I understand now, I understand especially with the last few bodies of work why people have these expectations of her. And also, she's been famous since she was 15, right? We are now mm-hmm. at a point where the line between celebrity and kind of fan has become so blurred with social media in particular and with reality tv and all of these things and i think fans now feel more entitled to every aspect of a celebrity's life than they perhaps did before and i feel like that is something that has changed in i wanted to say beyonce's reign then but i feel like i've been watching too much of the crowd On that point, though, then there is that aspect of her where she will give us a documentary behind the scenes, these glimpses. It's almost like a scrapbook. They are, exactly. (laughs) Yeah, but they are glimpses. I don't know what that means in terms of not necessarily the sustainability of her legacy, but her mainstream sort of presence. I don't know whether, but then again, I don't know whether she wants to keep staying in the mainstream anymore. I got the sense of entering a new chapter (laughs) where I'll be doing less for you. (laughs) But people can get hurt too, though. Yeah, but they ain't gonna die. Yeah, and I got that with like the bits where she was referencing, obviously, but when she first started going on tour, people were like, oh, she's not dancing so much. And in the film, mm. it really made me laugh where she was like, I'm 40, I don't need to dance for you anymore. Like, <laughs> <laughs> and she's right. Oh, Have shit. a seat. Sit on those twins. I would too, bitch. Uh, <laughs> I'll give them 40 more children. Fuck. Uh, <laughs> Oh my gosh, they are so fine. Wow, anyway. Yeah, I feel like she's at a point in her career where, I mean, we can talk about it from a personal point of view where like she feels more free and she feels like she needs to do less for us. But also mm-hmm. she's very well established now. She's just bought the most expensive house in LA. Like she doesn't need yeah. to make money. And she can do less. She, 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 she can do less. And mm-hmm. also not only can she do less, she can do what she wants to now. I don't feel she'd have made Renaissance 20 years ago. Because I don't think she could have. I don't think she would have done it, like, five years ago. No. No. There's another point that I felt, like, really interesting watching this film mm-hmm. is, uh, and reading a lot of the critiques that were coming out about her contemporaneously? Contemporaneously? Mm-hmm. Contemporaneously. Mm-hmm. Uh, <laughs> um, you're going back to the 2000s, and you're talking yeah. about the female pop star in 2000 yeah. and whatever. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And so it was a lot about, she's too sexy, who does she think she is, right. cover up black girl, you know, like all that yeah, stuff. Yeah. Nasty, you're so nasty. Yeah. Nasty girl, put some clothes on, you nasty. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and yeah, she's still getting that. Yeah, no. I'm... And like then that happened again later on when she was yeah. when she was doing like self-titled. Yeah. And then I find it fascinating the way that now she's still she's still doing that she's still showing off her body as she should it's hers Mm -hmm. she can do whatever she wants with it the way the narrative of that shifted now that we are amalgamating with this idea of showcasing black queer femme sexuality you know what i mean the critiques have shifted now to celebrating that but then when she was doing that for black women specifically the beauty of black women within heterosexual relationships and black couple Mm. heterosexual couples the critique was bonnie and clyde critiques of this is not the way that we should be showing black american couples interesting the violence of showcasing her body the narrative shifted yeah that's interesting because now she's on a stage with like visibly queer people then she's then that critique is that that yes and i haven't hadn't thought about it in that way before you said it but yeah and i wonder if that's something maybe to do with the over sexualization of the queer community in popular culture in general mm, um, yeah the fact that, the fact that yeah i mean the fact that this community is hypersexual like it's more acceptable it's more acceptable yeah it's more acceptable like it's it's it's, it's just seen as understood in a way understood, yeah, right exactly understood to be more outwardly sexual and it's interesting how in that space presumably beyonce's displays of sexuality aren't necessarily for herself in that space yeah she's mother she's the mother of the house she's the mother of the house she's not engaging in she's not imposing her sexuality Built 
the space in which like she um i don't i don't know there's something bad about the phrase i'm about to say i don't like it but like she's made her body acceptable for the public by like surrounding herself by uh queer bodies that she has made the public aware that are accepted also it's been interesting to see like how the critiques around how beyonce presents her body have changed as the kind of ideal in inverted commas body has changed and what we perceive as being an attractive body like with the rise of kind of like bbl and models being different now and this kind of and while she's always been at the forefront of that i mean bootylicious was how many years ago um it's interesting how how even though she was she's 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 been a part of that would you call it a movement she's been she's been a part of the of the thick movement yeah it's interesting how Beyonce's career has kind of been impacted by that and how the critiques of her have been impacted by that because she's always I would say she's always pretty consistently presented herself and her sexuality would you yeah no from day one I think even going back when we first got a sight at her within Destiny's Child I think sexuality uh, pleasure has always been like really tied to her identity and that's been in ways that she's pushed as something that's powerful Mm. but also that ways that Mm. has been almost used as a weapon against her unfortunately the way that it usually is against black women Mm. who just exist and acknowledge the fact they're sexual beings in public but I I do think that like it shifted a bit as you follow the trajectory of her career Mm. for me like the, the image of Beyonce I have in her debut is me myself and I Mm. she's been very consistent also in placing herself in the songs within Mm. partnership within the black almost like the black household you know that that is with her and Jay-Z like and that Mm. that's probably because she got married very early on but yeah like oh free Bonnie and Clyde type yeah it's a lot of guys with cash and they like to spend money fast they just show about that I'm chilling with my man what part don't you want understand yeah i'm sure about i think that. you should really go i heard the party is out of control make sure you're sure about i don't that. care about no clubs my man is all i love yeah i'm sure about don't that. let him blow your you know, yeah. with Destiny's Child, it's it's yeah. okay it's, to you. That, that that narrative is always there, and it seems like almost it's been a journey of her defining or trying to like define what exactly what, what exactly she understands her place as society to be at that given moment in her mm-hmm. career and life. I do think there was a very marked shift where she took her sexuality away from other people. Mm-hmm. She stopped being the naughty girl and she became yeah. partition. Yeah, where I'm doing this for me first for your pleasure second yeah to go back to bell hooks from reading Mm. some of the things that she was saying i think that was some of the things that rubbed up against bell because it seems like she saw that uh reinforcing stereotype of what femininity can Mm. be and wasn't transformative enough yeah and i just i just really i i really dislike this because i think Mm. first of all it's her body to do with what the hell she wants but the idea that she should not display her body or not embrace her femininity because of the patriarchy i mean yeah you said it. it's just it's very hypocritical and also i think something interesting is happening as beyonce obviously gets older and i think mm-hmm. we often don't see women celebrated as being sexual feminine beings into their mm-hmm. fourth um my god yes and so there's that political aspect of it as well why right? this yeah. idea of like i mean lots of actresses have spoken about it you reach 35 and you stop getting cast as the romantic leader mm. you start getting cast as the witch and stuff and she's and j-lo out- stopped being played on radio now i mean because her music sucks but that is <laughs> like, no when i get nervous i tell the truth <laughs> Madonna, let's go with madonna madonna does not get played on pop radio these days no. unless she's a feature yeah a hundred percent and i think um that's interesting as well and the personal is 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 political but how you present yourself doesn't have to be a political statement like you can just 
Yeah, but like, but I always thought, what did what did what would Bella have wanted Beyonce to come out and do that? Like in a when Janelle did that, it was still hella sexy. Like so, I like... and people still had a huge issue with that. And when Janelle took off the suit, the same people that were celebrating Janelle Monet in Lipstick Lover, mm-hmm. showcasing their body, showcasing their sexuality, their sapphism, but but the same some of those same people critiquing sort of Beyonce doing that. But then when she's doing it with Jay-Z, like that is weird. Yeah. Because, like, they're, they're enacting the same thing and they have the ability to claim their desires just as much. Why does the context change that? And, yeah. uh, and there is a reason why the context changes that. And I think there are some valid reasons, but I think I don't think we're necessarily applying the valid reasons all the time. But I don't know. Maybe we are being a bit <clears throat> too kind to Beyonce here. Let's be a bit mean. Let's talk about capitalism. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, I mean, I feel let's like, get into it. Let's get into it. I feel like I don't know. This is one of the most valid criticisms of Beyonce. I feel, mm-hmm. but then at the same time, has she ever claimed to not be a capitalist or to be a socialist? No, she hasn't. But like that doesn't that doesn't excuse it. <laughs> then like then you're just a capitalist. Sure. No, I, I I hear that. Would it excuse it then if she was slightly less wealthy? Because I feel like the, the critique of Beyonce as a capitalist, I get it. She mm-hmm. is hyper capitalist. She has so much money, like just an aggressive amount of money, so much money. And I think her family that- will not be poor ever. I know. That is, and like, I don't know, saying that, there's something about that that feels really revolutionary, but that, I know that, that's like the op in my head. That's, you know, that's like the FBI agent in my, like saying like, that's a good thing. But like, no, it's actually not because that should be the case for everyone. No one should have to like worry about anything. (laughs) Better than one black billionaire, Khalid. No billionaires. (laughs) No billionaires. (laughs) An Um, equal distribution of system of food. like yes she she is very wealthy and yes she is a capitalist but like do do we criticize other artists who maybe aren't quite as wealthy yet or have not been famous for as long do we critique them in the same way we're not talking about many people like that yeah and to some extent i get it because with more money comes more capitalism and more of yeah. a, i guess lefties like us would say more of a responsibility to do something with it so mm-hmm. i guess there's a reason why the more money you have the more like we do talk about elon musk in that way for example like we do talk mm-hmm. about these people with this vast amount of wealth so I, i'm not saying it's not valid and would i like to see like i don't know beyonce I, but like see this is the thing is i was talking about this i was like oh i wish she wasn't such a capitalist and someone turned around to me and was like what would you want her to do with her money give it all away is what i would like but (laughs) that is my thing if i ever i keep telling myself and this is probably all the lie that if i ever win the lottery i would keep 10 million for myself just for Uh the rest of my life to live off of and then i would give the rest away to friends and family and like allegedly i say that allegedly that's exactly what i would do so uh, donate to my coffee which is linked in my link tree Uh, (laughs) that was that was real smooth yeah i think um... thank you you're welcome yeah i i I would like to see her give it away i would like to see her i mean but this is the thing is like i'm sure there were some proper i mean i am a proper beyonce fan but i'm sure there's like bb beehives out there who will like know all of the charitable endeavors she's ever done like i know during covid she um Mm -hmm. she was doing a lot for like houston and mask wearing and stuff but she could absolutely be doing more and then when she was touring she did a charity at every single stop that she was doing something i heard to like the black organizations yeah there's actually a, a black owned business that i knew of based in tottenham that she gave a lot of money to i find this the way that she's very specific with the charities that she gives money to that's an aspect mm. of her that i really appreciate and like that's the thing like i don't i don't know how i would react within that situation but i don't know if that's actually maybe that's a wasted point never mind no i i, I mean i think i can say say that like should i ever come into a billion dollars i would not be a billionaire for long like i think there were there were too many too many things i'd want to do and so i i understand the idea of like that excessive wealth being unethical but i i Mm. also think that's a wider problem than beyonce and i think that beyonce Mm. is a symptom of capitalism rather than being like its creator or its founder (laughs) like yeah and i think thinking about beyonce and jay-z as the carters as black capitalist is also really useful speaking politically about the way the existence of money within black culture the importance that is placed yeah we have been taught that it is what frees us ultimately Mm. what can arm us and what can protect us and navigating with that we are forced to really confront how 
like I think what we're doing right now where we're actually really struggling with maybe not how to critique her but also how to feel about it is really useful because there's someone that I'm a fan of their work but I think they have this big old glaring thing that I need to parse away what, too much money yeah too much money but also I think the popularization of the narratives within her work of mm-hmm. excess and, and pride in that you see the money pajamas from the game yeah yeah yeah, yeah. I, I think I think like that that I mean, that is a problem. The utopia, I imagine, makes that accessible for everyone. So I I feel like that is a net harm culturally when we see those images represented. But like you said, why am I blaming her for that? Dua Lipa's doing that. Ariana Grande is also doing that. We have most rappers. Every single rapper is doing that. That is the Nicki Minaj project at the moment. Are we angry at her for being very successful at it? I think, I think yes. And like that's okay. And that is and that is okay. And it is. I, I was thinking about this, and I was thinking about Beyonce mm-hmm. capitalism, and I was thinking about how I can't remember how old I was, but everyone always used to speak really well of J.K. Rowling because they were ah! like, she would be so much richer than she was. <laughs> exactly, and and I hate her so much. Mm-hmm. But growing up, it was this whole like, oh, this is how you should handle getting a lot of money. This is someone who's real. This is someone who knows what it's like to stole. This is why she's given mm. away so much money. And now there's this other thing which just makes her like an awful, awful person. And there's this other community she's completely shitting on. Like this yeah. very vulnerable, beautiful community that is the trans community. And yet everyone was speaking about her really well because she did give away money. She's still wealthy. She's still not as poor as she could be. And so it's this, it's this, I do think a lot about celebrity and expectations and mm. and the prescriptive nature with which we talk about celebrity. Would I like to see Beyonce give away more money? Like, yeah, of course I would. Would I like to see her speak about Palestine? Like, yes, I would. But also I'm aware of the fact that these are my expectations. Yeah, and also, I don't know what she would say about Palestine. And I don't know if I want to. And uh, exactly, like, I don't think she would have the nuanced take that the public needs uh, to actually confront what's happening with Palestine, also, like, responsibility. I don't think she would have that. I just, and that's not to denigrate her intelligence. That's not to do any of that. But, like, I I just don't think that's her bag, you know? (laughs) She was 15. Well, yeah, exactly. I think that's how she knows how to exist. Right. To go back to what we're saying, yes, we can be mad at her for being a black capitalist. We can be mad at her for playing around with revolutionary thematics. Mm-hmm. But then mm-hmm. when it comes to speaking and she doesn't do that, I think we no. can be upset about that. Yeah, we can. Um, but also we have to acknowledge that that's it that ends she has no responsibility to us i think the measure of respect we can afford each other as human beings is to allow someone to exist exactly as they want to exist we can take issue with it but we cannot try to like push for movement when there isn't my perspective is i think for you to be the idol that is worthy of the idolatry that is often heaped upon her I, i i hope she will go through that journey to reconcile but in the meantime i don't necessarily feel any qualms about enjoying what she does put out and i don't think people should to go back a critique someone on twitter i read named braisani who uh, was talking about the angelica jade bastian article and they mm-hmm. said and they're in their point and they're not a um, beyonce fan at all mm-hmm. they were like well beyonce never said she was a revolutionary so that deconstructs the whole point of the argument because yes that's very true beyonce has just simply existed she might have put on a black panther looking costume but she never said she was a revolutionary she she she, she, she literally never did she put on the costume and fools mm. like me were like Wah! like yeah i feel like a lot of people aren't mad at beyonce they're mad at beyonce fans leave those bees alone beyonce Go on. And they're mad at what we put on her and they're mad at the fact that we will take an image of her moving in front of a feminist banner and like make it our cover picture on Twitter mm. <laughs> and, and and we'll like try and turn her into a thought leader or a queen and she she she's not those things. I mean there no. there was earlier this year, last year, a literal TV show about Beyonce fans. Which was we're, we're wild, Khalid. We're we're wild. I know, but like I was actually talking to a friend of mine about uh, the TV show. We're talking about a swarm. Yeah, and yeah. I was talking to them about swarm, and I was saying my issue with that show is that I like enjoyed it. I don't think it should have been a Beyonce like fan. That should have been a Barb. That should have been a Nicki Minaj fan. The way that like you were doing oh, all that. Taylor Swift fan because those right. But like, the, and my friend's point was that yeah, the thing about the Beehive is that they won't take critique of Beyonce seriously most of the time because they're like she's 
god and you're just like jealous and wrong and i'm just like yeah i think and that's the thing like most of the v fans that i know are academic black professionals you know like that there's to me that is the issue because i think beyonce promotes this idea of black excellence when i am a fan of black laziness black mediocrity black you sit your ass down and watch a tv show you know (laughs) oh my god i have seen black naps i I am team uh, microwave last night's dinner. I <laughs> I am team cut the lotion bottle in half and like scoop out the rest. <laughs> One of my friends sprained his shoulder trying to get the last drop of. Oh no! Anyway, I I, I tease him about this. And I get him like, <laughs> like a. Punch. You gotta use a bread knife. That's what you gotta. Yeah, you gotta cut yeah, it over yeah, with a bread I, knife. I, I <laughs> bottle of cocoa but every Christmas and birthday now because I just think story but I actually think one of the valid critiques about Beyonce that we don't hear that much is this idea of like this work ethic she has when I get overwhelmed I close my eyes and I take myself to my safe space but honestly the current is so powerful and so turbulent and waves are so strong that there's a suffocation I'm trying to navigate life and I'm treading water and trying to gasp for a little bit of air into my lungs to keep me afloat but then time pulls me back into the same routine and whilst Mm. it's commendable and it is amazing like i watch her documentary and i'm like exhausted exhausted i'm like rest like rest i know it it was really scary that was terrifying that joke about how you have as many days of the week as beyonce as many hours in a day as beyonce i'm just like yeah but like beyonce needs to sit her ass down and like just rest a bit more because not not to carrie hilson but like uh (laughs) but like because i i don't want her to get tired she broke her knee why were you rehearsing with your knee broken sit down i'm scared i want you to make music 50 years from now i don't want this she broke her beautiful knee and like honestly and this is the thing like this is this is a critique i mean i don't know if you'd call it a critique you work too hard no i think it is yeah i wouldn't yeah justify like, it is just fine like this is one thing i watched her documentary and i'm like you are hurtling people towards burnout my love mm, yeah um, and you're singing a song about break my soul but like you're not taking a break you're not taking a break <laughs> You are not. This is something I've been going through lately where I've been trying to reconcile the way in which I work. And we've talked yeah. about this before because I, the way I, I work at nights, I tutor mm-hmm. and I work at an inconsistent schedule. Sometimes I will just randomly finish tutoring with like some students before I get some new ones. And like I have this gap mm-hmm. where I'm like not doing anything and I feel really guilty and mm-hmm. all that stuff. When I can, I'm still able to pay my rent. Mm-hmm. I'm able to buy myself things I like, buy my food. I'm able to take care of my child cat. I am... <laughs> I'm able to hang out with my friends. I'm able to like all that. I can do that. And I'm very blessed. I am so, so blessed. I'm so Mm -hmm. thankful. But I feel really bad about that because I think that I should be working every minute of my consciousness I Mm. feel guilty my last thought before I go to sleep is guilt about how I feel like I haven't done enough today that is bad that is like a bad thing culturally for all of us Mm. like that is not how we were meant to be I've been looking at my cat for the past four or five days and how she's the bitch is sleeping all the time (laughs) (laughs) she gets up she eats and then she goes back to sleep (laughs) And I'm like, how can you do that? Don't you want to go to work? Don't you want to like <laughs> do <It's> anxiety? <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah. And like animals don't have anxiety. That's something that we created for ourselves. Work is an invention by yeah. the capitalist patriarchal system that we're, we're, we're strapped to to this day. Yeah. And like, we're still fighting about a fucking four hour work week or whatever. Like mm-hmm. a yeah. four day work week. Four day, oh yeah. Shout out the four day work week. Uh, make it three. Make it, make it one make it one um, i think we need to flip it we should do the weekends as like the work days and then the rest is a weekend i would elect you yes thank you and i think we should just alternate people as like t- to like have the full day staff uh, of work and then that way they would kill unemployment <laughs> wow yes elect me elect <laughs> i'll me. be i would elect you i feel like thank you, would you. Be, uh i'll be the suella you want yeah I f- <laughs> oh, no. don't worry i'll get rid of the right people <laughs> it'll be mainly people named ian <laughs> <laughs> yeah. but it's, it's interesting how 
like this isn't a critique I've heard of Beyonce a lot and it's one of the things that like along with her capitalism mm. is kind of like most glaringly obvious to me is this idea of like promoting this what goes beyond a work ethic I mean yeah. there's 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 a still in renaissance of her like literally like falling asleep in her hand at work trying to like get directions done. yeah that is like in every single documentary and it's, it's quite worrying Ooh. I I that's I, I find a lot inspirational about Beyonce. I don't find that inspirational. Yeah, to me that reads as toxic. The fact that it is someone with such a vaunted position culturally, you know. Ooh. It, it feels like she puts that on to like show her seriousness of her craft. As people who think like she's very talented and tremendous, she doesn't need to, who doesn't need to do that. It, it just yeah. yeah, it just it just sort of it scares me because now I just think about all the people that we grew up with who told yeah. us you need to work really really super hard to become an astronaut yeah. or be, and yeah. you know it's like ugh, it, it's very bad. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. And that was like a little bit of her on vacation, but I don't know. Mm. I find I find that the most for me. Yeah, that's one of the things I think is most worthy of critique in her, like, going out. But particularly in relation to the film, rather than the concert or the music or the lyrics or anything like that. Um, How do you think, like, Beyonce is going to move from this point onward? I, okay, I predict a country album. Okay. Would you want a Beyonce country album? Yes, but that's because I like singers. I listen to people who sing. Uh... (laughs) So I like a good vocal. That's just me. Oh I know some God. of the girls, you know, some of the girls out there like a little oots oots, a little boot boot, and they like those little, you know, whispering trills or whatever the hell the new children are doing. Me personally, I was raised on the divas. I was raised on Aretha. I was raised on Gladys. I was raised on, those are my mothers. I don't know who's raising these children, but like, I hope, um, <laughs> I hope that uh, Queen Naja's child is very happy. I hope Summer Walker is having a good wow. day, but I'm not interested. <laughs> okay, what were your thoughts on her opening with ballads then? Did you appreciate it? I thought that was great. That was honestly like one of my favorite parts. And I know a lot of people rub, but I'm like a ballad girl. Like I yeah. love um I love when um <laughs> I was actually just watching a bit of Life is but a dream is that what it's oh, called? Yeah, yeah. and there was that bit where i think she was doing one plus one and she was just like riffing towards the end of it and then yeah. she was like going on and on yeah. and then she was like oh this song's gonna be seven minutes and i just like that is my favorite thing a woman when a woman who can sing is that in front of a live instrument with a mic and just like having fun like on the piano like in yeah. a song. yeah yeah and like literally like one of my favorite bits um I, I recorded it and like i shared it online when right after the renaissance concert when i got back was when she was doing i'm going down and then she like just did that like long gravelly oh you know, like, yeah, just gonna, yeah just gonna zoom in on that one and that was the price of admission for me you know like that's what really? i really <laughs> i love a vocalist yeah like my yeah. biggest ah oh, like one of my biggest heartbreaks i'm probably never gonna get to see celine dion <laughs> oh. <laughs> yeah poor thing and you know i love i love mother celine (laughs) yeah that's my white mama (laughs) no i'm kidding Never forget to make a salad. Yeah. <laughs> How in Adele? I thought we'd established. Uh, not Delian. Yes, Delian. I love Delian. <laughs> Did you see her picture? Her Time magazine yes! where she had the head wrap on. Oh my God! Looking like Coretta Scott's king. Like I love her. <laughs> oh my gosh. Uh, oh my God. She really is Icarus. One day she is gonna fly too close to that sun, and <laughs> I hope. I hope, like, she really goes for it. I need her to get Missy on the next album. Oh, my Lord. I need her, like, really get into it. Like, get get, get in with the girls. Like, really give us a Dark Child remix of, like, some stuff. <laughs> Come on, you can see the vision. I can't. Like, her and Meg it. The Stallion. <laughs> you know what's scary? I think Adele can probably see the vision as well. 
I think, and she wants it. She's just not confident she can, but come on, girl. Like, you're dating a black man. We're letting you in. <laughs> We're not letting you into the cookout, but, like, you can look from across the yard. <laughs> is she dating? Wow. I mean, that, yeah, that makes sense. She is. She's dating, like, um, this black power broker in um, America. Oh. I know. Skits. Uh, Well, they're just dating now. She, oh, I don't think okay. her son is white, but, you know, we might be... We might be adding to the team. One of us. <laughs> light, bright, light, bright, light, bright, light, bright. <laughs> okay, so I know you need to go uh, and watch Strictly. So I'm going to wrap up. Uh, but before I do, I would like to ask you a question. Okay. It's a very important question. If Okay. <laughs> okay. I'm scared. If you could be any animal. (laughs) (laughs) What animal would you be? (laughs) Well, answer Um, the question. (laughs) I wouldn't be a whale. Welcome back to Citations. Okay, some housekeeping. I first of all apologize for the delay to getting this episode out there. Uh, But that happened because I was recording at the same time. So now I have a bit of a backlog. Hopefully, that means that I am going to be more consistent moving forward. And I'm really, really excited for you to hear what we have in store. But on that note, because of that backlog, that means that questions are not going to be open for the next few episodes. But don't worry. I'll let you know where they are. In the meantime, why don't you send me a comment about what you've heard so far or a voice clip? Send them to Kaladen with three N's at gmail.com. That is K-H-A-L-I-D-E-N-N-N at gmail.com. Top recommendations from this episode is for you to listen to the Beyonce series on Pop Pantheon podcast. It is great, and I think it complements some of the conversations that AJ and I have. Also, another high recommend is for you to check out Bell Hooks in conversation with Marcy Blackman, Shola Lynch, and Janet Mock at the Eugene Lang College. They were speaking under a conversation that was presented by Bell under the banner of Are You Still a Slave? Check out the citation page on my website. It will be available on the Sunday after the episode is first posted. It will have everything that we referenced in this conversation, as well as everything that we watched and listened to in preparation. If you like homework, or if you're just looking for some good culture to ingest, check it out. It is on my website at alsopurple.com. That is A-L-S-O-P-U-R-P-L-E.com. Those will be up on the Sunday following the release. You can find me at also perp on everything. That is A L S O P U R P. And you can find Antonia at Antonia Jade King on everything. I will see you back here soon. But in the meantime, please, 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 please leave me a rating, preferably five stars. And in the meantime, have you checked out our YouTube page? We've got each episode that you've listened to so far up there in visual format as a video essay done by Victor Alexander. That will be available for this episode a few weeks after the release. Check them out. Victor's very funny. All right. I'll see you back here soon. Goodbye. Left to the left.